The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. The search and rescue effort in Turkey and Syria is now morphing into a humanitarian disaster of historic proportions. That is the contention of my next guest, whose colleagues on the ground are painting a very grim picture indeed. Executive Director of UNICEF Ireland, Peter Parr. Good morning and welcome. Good morning, Pat. Um, you're hearing from your people on the ground in, in both parts of the earthquake region? Yes, they're, they're two extremely different contexts. Turkey's relatively used to dealing with earthquakes. Northern Syria, not so much. But ironically, uh, northern Syria is suffering more than uh, southern Turkey, even though both are obviously suffering greatly. Uh, but because of the very, very fragile pre-existing humanitarian situation in northern Turkey with the problems of access and so forth, uh, the situation is really dire. And we're talking now, Pat, this, this, this emergency and disaster is very much at the upper end of the scale historically. We're talking about over 10 million people badly affected. And that's a lot of people that needs assistance. Yeah, because although we, we get the death toll, yeah. um, allied to the death toll, there are those who are injured and maimed and will need uh, acute medical attention. And then there are those who are homeless, um, you know, with uh, dead bodies under uh, rubble and so on. There is the prospect of disease. Yeah. All of these things are going to compound each other. This is a multifaceted emergency, and you're correct. Um, our, our thoughts obviously go to the many thousands of people who've lost their lives, children who've lost their parents, a whole extended families wiped out in single apartment complexes. These are all absolutely tragic human stories. However, uh, the next phase of the operation uh, now starts where millions of people need aid. You mentioned people without homeless and shelter. Our sister UN agency, the UNHCR, estimate that 5.3 million people, more than the population of Ireland, are now homeless in northern Syria alone. So it's at, it's at this magnitude we're talking. Mm-hmm. Now, as the weeks progress, obviously the weather will become more benign. At, at the moment, it mm-hmm. is cold. We don't think of these areas of ever having a winter uh, compared Quite to uh, what we experience. But in fact, they are. Um, as the spring uh, moves on, it will get milder. But then as the summer moves in, it'll become intolerably hot. So we're going to have a whole sequence of problems. Yes, as I said, it's, it's very complex. I've been in both areas. I've been in Gaziantep and Aleppo in the winter. And these are very, very harsh conditions. People not, might not realise that. And delivering aid in these circumstances is extremely difficult. But and the, this the, is before the earthquake. I mean, Aleppo looked like an earthquake had hit it. This is exactly my point. I, I saw it right in the middle of the of the civil war uh, and building after building were uh, were destroyed, infrastructure destroyed, roads, etc. Et so this is a crisis upon a crisis upon a crisis and it will morph into, as you correctly say, uh, possibly a, a disease-led crisis where cholera is already a big problem in Aleppo. We're trying to deal with that in the morning. At the moment, we're trucking in 300,000 litres of water a day just into Aleppo alone just to stave off disease-led secondary emergencies. So the, just a multiple-layered crisis we're trying to deal with just at the moment. Because you've got, obviously, uh, water for simply drinking. Mm. Then, of course, you've got hygiene, you've got washing, you've got uh, sanitation, all of those things yeah. uh, which have vanished, basically. Yes. Yeah, a lot of damage to water treatment plants, which is a particular focus of UNICEF in emergencies. We have a responsibility under the UN system for that. So we've had to 
uh, truck in water, as I said, into Aleppo. We're working with local authorities in relation to water treatment plants. We've distributed water purification tablets. We've we've had we we haven't been able to wait for the border crossings to open. We've actually had to fly in humanitarian aid into Aleppo mm-hmm. and Damascus, like tarpaulins and blankets and mattresses for people to sleep on. So these are the the absolute immediate, urgent needs of the people in the immediate aftermath. But it will morph into, as you say, a longer term crisis management. What are your people on the ground telling you about uh, the the towns and cities that may literally have to be abandoned uh, because they are uninhabitable now and perhaps uh, will never be reconstructed? We're hearing stories, uh, towns like Hatay, for example, levelled. Uh, other towns and villages completely destroyed, very bad, very poor construction uh, standards. Uh, the chances of uh, whatever about providing emergency humanitarian assistance, rebuilding, rehabilitating infrastructure, roads, schools, health facilities, water pipes, all that sort of thing yeah. is a really enormous task. You can imagine that underground uh, water pipes would be fractured by uh, the earthquake and Correct. although I suppose temporary water supplies can be done overground uh, to deliver water, uh, ultimately um, you've got to go down again uh, and uh, hide those pipes but yeah. m- maybe they'll just say it's too much. We'll start from scratch. We'll go to virgin territory and build a new town. Well, the reconstruction and rehabilitation stage is obviously a number of months down the road. We're right in the phase two after search and rescue. We're in phase two. That is phase three, phase four. But it's quite possible uh, that we, 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 such as the vast nature of this disaster over a, a huge area. That's why I'm saying the this magnitude is uh, as big as I have seen, certainly, in any of the disasters I've dealt with in UNICEF over the last 10 years. Now, the question of Turkey and its um, hospitality towards Syrian refugees, I mean, they they reckon they spent 40 billion Mm. on accommodating refugees, allowing them into Turkey and then Mm. allowing them to work for a living where that was possible. The kind of welcome they did not get in Lebanon, the kind of welcome they did not get in in Jordan. So the Turkish people have been more than generous to the Syrian uh, refugees. However... You're going to get tensions when Turkey itself is suffering so much after this earthquake. There are going to be tensions. Why aren't you spending more of the money on us? Correct. I can't speak more highly about the Turkish people and the way they have welcomed 1.3 million, perhaps more, Syrians. And I've, I've been in Gaziantep. I've been in the refugee camps right around Gaziantep in which we've operated now for seven eight years and the Turkish people not alone have they brought them into their camps the government have supported them they've brought them into their homes their houses the whole education system pattern in southern Turkey been reconstructed to allow Syrians to come in they're doing double shifts now Turkish children in the morning Syrian people in the afternoon but of course you're correct this is a monumental disaster and undoubtedly in, where there are scarce resources in real crisis situations tension, tensions will arise they already have arisen on the ground we're worried about the security situation in some places where there's lack of water and lack of the very basic humanitarian yeah. assistance Now the, the Syrian area is not occupied by the Syrian government um, yeah. it's occupied by a, a, an alternative shall we say to Assad yeah. um, How is UNICEF greeted and treated both in the Turkish area, the Syrian area and what's the attitude of Assad's government Mm. to UNICEF? 
as I said, I've I've been in a, in Aleppo. I I know what the situation is on the ground, and it's it's extremely complex, and it's very difficult for UNICEF to get aid in. There's a, uh, there's Kurdish rebels, there's anti-government forces, all occupying different areas to the north, to the west of Aleppo. Incidentally, one of the worst areas affected, Idlib itself, is in a desperate state. Uh, so we work with 37 uh, distribution organisations, civil society organisations on the ground. So as I said, we've airlifted a lot of aid in now to Aleppo and Damascus. We're bringing it across the Al Rai, the Al Salam border crossings, which have just been opened, uh, courtesy of Martin Griffiths, the UN coordinator. So working with civil society organisations who are trusted on the ground, getting the aid to them for onward distribution is a key part of our effort in the areas you've mentioned. Now, in terms of funding, I mean, the international response uh, has been immediate uh, and uh, where possible it's been generous. The Irish government has done its thing. We hear about uh, some supplies that were stored in Dubai making their way uh, to the affected areas. Mm. Um, Does your funding come from the UN, from ordinary people, from sister organisations Organizations, where do you get your money from? All of our all of our funding for UNICEF throughout the world, any humanitarian emergency is voluntary, voluntary from governments, voluntary from people, increasingly companies, the corporate sector, philanthropists and so forth, uh, recognize that these emergencies need a response at the scale and capacity that organizations like UNICEF can deliver. And it's clear now to me, Pat, from the assessments I've received on the ground that this will be a long, prolonged humanitarian crisis that will need a fully United Nations-led response. Uh, We need organisations to... We need to capture the different capacities of different organisations to have a fully coordinated response. So we're talking in the order of Haiti, the tsunami-type responses. We've learned a lot of lessons from large-scale emergencies. We need to to, uh, amalgamate all of the capacities of different organisations. And a lot of people are doing excellent work on the ground. Is the blue helmet of the UN still universally respected? Oh yes, yes, I uh, definitely. Every every place I go, I see at the uh, when I was in, as I said, Aleppo, we had to negotiate and 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 go through so many different security corridors to get there. And the UN, UNICEF, uh, are seen as uh, impartial humanitarian actors in the area that deliver vitally needed aid impartially and apolitically. Uh, finally, Peter, how can people help? Well, the Irish people have already helped. There's a, a lot of fantastic Irish aid organisations, as we we well know, right throughout the uh, working right throughout the world. UNICEF is on the ground. We've been there for many, many years. As I said, in both northern Syria and Turkey, we would strongly encourage Pat people to go to UNICEF.ie. We have uh, a lot of pre-positioned supplies, but they are almost exhausted at the moment. We actually, as, as I said, had to airlift supplies in. So. This is a very costly and ongoing emergency. We ask people to go to unicef.ie if they come. Peter Power, Executive Director of UNICEF Ireland. Peter, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.